48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Health officials fear Hong Kong could see a widespread coronavirus outbreak as 19 new cases are reported. The government unveils its plan to make civil servants pledge allegiance to the SAR. And Beijing and Washington say they'll impose visa restrictions on each other's officials as part of a row over Tibet. Hong Kong has recorded 19 new locally acquired coronavirus infections with an elderly care home in Zewan San emerging as a new cluster. Candice Wong reports. Of the 19 new locally acquired coronavirus infections, eight are from the care home, four residents and four members of staff. The day before, an 85-year-old resident of the Kong Thai Care for the Aged Centre was also confirmed to be carrying the virus. Dr Zhuang Shok Kwan from the Centre for Health Protection says officials have been giving out specimen bottles to test dozens of other residents at the home for COVID-19, as well as those living in a separate care home above. We also distributed two uh, bottles to the residents and uh, staff of the two nearby elderly homes which um, they have shared staff. I expect the results will be coming in the, one, the coming one or two days. The number of the residents, for example, in the affected uh, elderly home, it's around 100-something residents. The SAR's latest patients are from across the city, including Choi Hung, Chun Wan, Mong Kok and Leighton Hill on Hong Kong Island. In five instances, officials cannot work out how they became infected. Six new patients are linked to two restaurants in Choi Hung and Jordan. The latter is particularly popular among taxi drivers and three current or former cabbies are among those infected. Dr Chuang says she is worried Hong Kong could now see a widespread outbreak and the government should take more steps to contain the spread of the virus. Civic Party lawmaker and Dr Kwok Kaki says the government needs to tighten measures at ports, schools and care homes to stop the virus from spreading further. He says care home staff and primary and secondary school staff should be tested for the virus. Dr Kwok added that people entering Hong Kong should no longer be exempted from quarantine arrangements. Right now, the source of the outbreak must be coming from outside Hong Kong. What else can it be? If it's in the airport or has been tested negative before they are entering Hong Kong, it's only those exempted persons which is never tested. And until all those exempted persons was tested negative, then they should not be granted the, the right. And in light of Hong Kong's growing local outbreak, Macau says it needs to reevaluate plans to loosen travel restrictions for those moving between the two SARs. Hong Kong's tens of thousands of civil servants are going to have to pledge allegiance to the SAR under new plans put forward by the government. New recruits and those getting promoted will be among the first required to declare their loyalty. Timmy Sung reports. In a document to LegCo, the Civil Service Bureau says civil servants have always had a duty to uphold the basic law and remain loyal to the SAR. And most importantly, remain loyal to the government. It says a new requirement for an oath or declaration of allegiance will manifest the responsibilities civil servants have and will improve their awareness of what is expected of them. The administration suggests all new recruits from this month onwards will have to confirm in writing that they will uphold the basic law and that they pledge their allegiance to the SAR. Serving staff will also have to do the same, but with almost 180,000 of them, there's a priority list for who should go first. This includes those involved in decision-making processes or sensitive work, like administrative officers, information officers, legal officers and discipline services staff. 
Anyone up for promotion will have to make the declaration, while directorate officers at higher ranks will have to do a full-on oath-taking instead of just signing a document. Beijing says it will impose visa restrictions on U.S. citizens who have engaged in what it calls egregious behavior over Tibet. That's after Washington imposed restrictions on Chinese officials involved in keeping foreigners out of Tibet. Announcing the move, the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said American officials and journalists were barred from visiting the Himalayan region, while Chinese nationals could travel around the U.S. freely. In Beijing, a foreign ministry spokesman said Washington should avoid further harming ties between the two countries. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Beijing has officially opened its new office for national security agents to operate in Hong Kong, transforming a hotel in Causeway Bay into temporary headquarters. The press weren't invited, but some managed to appear over water barriers to capture the proceedings. Candice Wong reports. The Metropark Hotel in Cosway Bay is now the base for the central government's office for safeguarding national security, at least for the time being. It's located just steps away from Victoria Park, where many pro-democracy protest march started off from in the past, and where for two decades people have remembered the June 4th Tiananmen massacre. The hotel will now be used by mainland agents to oversee the ASEAN government's enforcement of the legislation that Beijing imposed on Hong Kong last week. An inauguration ceremony that lasted about half an hour was held outside the hotel's entrance on Tonglo Wan Road. A plaque bearing the agency's name was unveiled, the national flag was unfurled, and the emblem now sits above the main door. The office director, Zheng Yanxiong, spoke to the dozens of local government officials and pro-Beijing figures invited to the occasion. He stressed that he and his agents will follow the law and won't infringe upon anyone's legal rights. The Beijing official said his team will enhance communication between the liaison office, the ASEAN government and the Hong Kong garrison. Chief Executive Kerry Lam, meanwhile, said the opening of the office was a historical moment. Mrs Lam said the ASEAN government and the Committee on National Security that she chairs will set up a coordination mechanism with the newly set up office to strengthen the sharing of information. Former official Rachel Cartland has announced she's stepping down as a guest presenter of an RTHK radio program, citing concerns over the new national security law. Mrs Cartland, a former assistant director of social welfare, told RTHK's Batchat program she's most concerned about the article against subversion, which has made it an offence to undermine the Hong Kong government. Now that seems to me to be something that we could be potentially accused of quite often. So either we're not going to have robust discussions because we're going to be worried about that, or else we may be doing something illegal. And then the government came out, and I hoped that they were going to be very reassuring. But instead, one of the first things that was done was to advise people not to say a particular slogan, and then the priority tasks given were to review books in public libraries and to review books in school libraries, which really isn't that reassuring. The Legislative Investigation Panel has decided against censuring DAB lawmaker Holden Chow over his secret talks with former Chief Executive C.Y. Leung in relation to a probe against the then Hong Kong leader. 
committee says the facts of the case didn't amount to Mr Chow violating his LegCo oath. Demon Pang reports. Holden Chow was the deputy chair of a committee looking into Mr Lang's acceptance of $50 million from the Australian firm UGL. But in 2017, the lawmaker was found to have followed the former Hong Kong leader's suggestions as to what the scope of the probe should be. The chair of the panel investigating Mr Chow, Abraham Sheck, says it wasn't against logical rules for the legislator to adopt Mr Leung's views. In the course of formulating his amendments, he should have the right to consider views from any persons, including views of the subject of inquiry, and should have the right to agree with or adopt the views of such persons. Mr Sheck says it's possible that Mr Chow genuinely believed his views were the same as Mr Lung's and he was ready to adopt the former CE's proposed changes as his own. Mr Sheck says it's likely the public have a negative perception of the incident and that they believe it casts doubt on Mr Chow's independence as the deputy of the probe into Mr Lung. But he says this doesn't amount to any misbehaviour on Mr Chow's part that warrants a censure. While Mr Joe's behaviour might have impacted on the public perception of members, his behaviours are not sufficiently grave as to the amount to contempt of the functions and powers of LegCo, nor to bring shame on LegCo, and his behaviour are not of such gravity as to undermine the public confidence in LegCo and its member as a whole. However, two pan-democrats on the panel looking into what happened... Dennis Kwok and James Toe aren't happy with the findings. Mr Kwok says Mr Chow should be censured. Not only are they adopting a lower standard, but a standard that should not be the standard the Legislative Council should be aiming for, and a standard that is below public's expectation, and letting Holden Chow do this would shed the Legislative Council in very bad light. That's why we needed to point it out. What he did was wrong. Mr Kwok also argues that Mr Chow had misled Lechko by not being upfront with his colleagues by telling them that the amendments to the probe actually came from Mr Leung himself. Lechko probe has found that Democratic Party lawmaker Ted Hoy should be censured over a phone-snatching incident two years ago. As Timmy Sung tells us, it's unlikely he'll lose his Lechko seat as a result. The Democrat snatched a security bureau official's phone and took it with him into the toilet while she was tracking the whereabouts of lawmakers discussing co-location arrangements for the West Kowloon high-speed rail terminus in 2018. Mr. Ho was found guilty of common assault and two other offences by the Eastern Court last year, but was spared of a custodial sentence. Now, a logical investigation committee concluded he had acted violently and showed no respect to the government official. Federation of Trade Unions lawmaker Alice Mack chaired the committee. When saying that someone grabbed the phone or grabbed something from others, I think it is an act far from a more, even more serious than just showing no respect. The report also says Mr. Hoi tarnished Lechko's reputation and failed to fulfil the public's expectations of a legislator. But a Democrat remains defiant. He blamed the government for sending what he called a paparazzi team to Lechko. I think uh, people know what's right or wrong. It's in their heart. The two pan-Democrats on the seven-member panel, the Civic Party's Dennis Kwok and accountancy sector lawmaker Kenneth Leung, refused to endorse the findings, delivering instead a minority report. Here's Mr Leung. We are of the view that the subjudice principle must be respected. The investigation committee should not publish its report before the appeal hearing is heard and a decision is made. 
but the deputy chairman of the committee, Paul Zhe, dismissed the minority report, saying they have confirmed with the Department of Justice that the release of the investigative findings won't affect the appeal process. All the uh, elements are there. The seriousness has been established, and we quite, uh, I think, correctly uh, concluded that even with these observations, with these uh, reservations in mind, the material allegations against Honorable Hui have all been well established. According to the basic law, a lawmaker could be disqualified if a censure motion is backed by two-thirds of the LegCo members present. But with LegCo entering its summer break next week, it could be running out of time trying to deal with the motion. Liberal Party lawmaker Tommy Chung says the catering sector is pushing ahead with a dining discount program over a 1,000 restaurants, despite fresh concerns that fewer people will be eating out because of a new wave of COVID-19 cases linked to eateries. The catering sector lawmaker hopes the government's $10,000 cash handout would help the trade. Obviously, we in the restaurant trade have been working closely with government in containing the virus, whether they allow us to open for business or not. Uh, so I'm actually asking and appealing to all my restaurateurs and our service staff and kitchen staff to please help uh, the government in containing the virus. Let's do our part. Trump administration is reportedly considering undermining the Hong Kong dollar's peg to the greenback as part of efforts to punish Beijing over the national security law. Bloomberg News says some U.S. officials propose putting a strain on the peg by, for example, limiting access by banks in the city to U.S. dollars. But according to the Bloomberg report, concerns were raised about the negative impact on global financial markets and the move has not been discussed at senior U.S. government levels. The MTR Corporation says its staff will have their salaries frozen for a year in light of what it calls profound impact COVID-19 has had on all sectors. But the company says it will pay bonuses equivalent to just over a month's pay to staff at different grades and offer payments to some employees to reward their excellent performance. But a union representative has criticised the decision, noting the MTR recorded surplus of more than $10 billion last year. And a reminder of our top story tonight. Health officials fear Hong Kong could see a widespread coronavirus outbreak as 19 new cases are reported. The government unveils its plan to make civil servants pledge allegiance to the SCR. Beijing and Washington say they'll impose visa restrictions on each other's officials as part of a row over Tibet. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 it's time now for good stories covered in this evening's news wrap program. The chairman of the Hong Kong Association of the Heads of Secondary Schools has urged the government to update its guidelines for the education sector on how to respond to COVID-19 infections. The call by Teddy Tang comes after a student at a Wong Tai Sin secondary school was confirmed as having the coronavirus. Mr Tang spoke to Joanne Wong. According to Section 5 of the EDB guidelines of schools on cars resumption, Okay, issued in June. If there is a confirmed case of COVID-19 or a case of close contact of an infected person with COVID-19, the CHP will inform EDB and the school concerned to discuss suitable arrangements to be made, for example, cleaning and disinfection of premises and schools and schooling arrangements. But however, the guidelines are rather generic in the document, and most principals are not clear about the step-by-step procedures and relevant work instructions. From yesterday's confirmed case, we now understand that if there is a confirmed case in school, the suspension period will be 14 days and students will be arranged to have testing. 
What are you looking for in this new set of guidelines? Because for the case of coach contact, we have noticed that different schools have different suspension arrangements, ranging from one day, three days to even 14 days. It seems that there is no standard arrangements and instructions from relevant authorities. I believe that the government should have some sort of uh, standard procedures in place to deal with different scenarios. And so we would request the government to update the guidelines to school on cars resumption as soon as possible so that schools can share the information with teachers, parents and students and ease their mind that we have well-prepared contingency plans to deal with all sorts of emergency situations. You've been speaking to different school principals. How have they been reacting to the news of a student uh, getting infected with the virus? Right now, I think different uh, school principals uh, have exercised their own professional judgment to make necessary arrangements. For example, uh, some primary school principals have already cancelled the examination and and start the uh, uh, summer vacations by Friday or something like that. Do you see another class suspension period coming? We have the summer vacation approaching. The health and safety of our students is our top priority. And schools are doing very well in risk management during the HKDSC period and card resumption since the 27th of May. Okay? We have confidence that schools, with the cooperation of our students, be able to manage the risk inside school. However, we also noticed that there are, are the pandemic situation is developing in the community. And I guess this should be the job of the uh, government to monitor the situation closely and make necessary arrangements. An employers group says newly arrived foreign domestic helpers in Hong Kong shouldn't get any salary while they're doing their 14 days of quarantine. The Hong Kong Employers of Overseas Domestic Helpers Association is also asking the government to help less well-off employers pay the hotel bills. This comes after the government announced yesterday that helpers will need to show proof they've tested negative for coronavirus before being allowed into the SER to carry out their quarantine at a hotel. But Emen Velanueva, the spokesman of the Asian Migrants Coordinating Body, told Anna-Marie Evans that helpers should be paid for their time in quarantine. First of all, I think they should understand that it's against the law. The domestic workers upon arrival in Hong Kong is already considered as employed. And as provided for in the contract, they have to be paid. Also, uh, the uh, domestic workers uh, are also uh, provided for with uh, uh, food and also uh, uh, accommodation. And so, naturally, even the expenses that can be occurred uh, during the quarantine procedure uh, will have to be borne by the employers. In fact, in solidarity with some employers, uh, the the migrant workers' uh, organizations, including ours, are calling on the government to to uh, to come in and you know to 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 provide some sort of assistance uh, but i think uh, it will be very unfair and not only unfair it will be illegal for uh, this uh, employers organization to suggest that the domestic workers should not be paid oh, what about uh, would migrant workers be able to get virus tests before flying here for work well uh, that of course is a bit difficult because uh, as you see even in the philippines uh, uh, you know, Filipinos are demanding to the Philippine government that there should be mass testing. Unfortunately, at the moment, uh, it is uh, it is not being provided for by the government. So if that will be, again, borne by the uh, uh, workers, it will be an added cost uh, on their part. And I think uh, based, on the, uh, based on the policy of also of the uh, Hong Kong government, 
any medical uh, needs, including tests, uh, uh, that the uh, employers, uh, sorry, the employees will have to undergo uh, as part of their employment should have to be paid by the employers. So if that is the suggestion of the Hong Kong government, I think the employer should should be again uh, will have to 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 borne that uh, the cost of the uh, uh, the testing unless again the Hong Kong government will come in to to provide the support or subsidy to some employers. Now, how have the foreign domestic workers been reacting to the new requirements so far? Well, I think uh, uh, on the part of the, the migrant workers, we understand that uh, there should be uh, you know there should be some sort of uh, uh, mechanism in place in order to prevent migrant workers for you know from coming in and uh, you know uh, uh, not knowing whether they are positive or not uh, with the coronavirus I, I think that is very understandable uh, but I think uh, what one thing that uh, should be uh, considered is that uh, the migrant workers upon arrival in in Hong Kong uh, most mostly will have no money to pay for their, you know, for their own uh, expense. So I think, uh, naturally, uh, either the employers or unless the government comes in, uh, it, it, the, the, the migrant workers cannot uh, be fully responsible for their accommodation and food. We have, in fact, many uh, complaints uh, from migrant workers who are under quarantine procedure that they are not provided with food or at least not properly provided with food. Some were only given, uh, you know, instant noodles, and they had to eat instant noodles for every meal. And the, the employers are not really attending to that. Of course, there are some whose uh, employers are actually, you know, providing them uh, in a more than, uh, you know, above standard or more than reasonable kind of uh, accommodation and food uh, supply. But I think it's, it's the government's responsibility to come up with at least a standard. What are the responsibilities of the employers? towards their domestic workers while they are under quarantine procedure. Education Minister Kevin Young says the protest song Glory to Hong Kong should be banned in schools because it disrupts their normal operation and is linked to violence and illegal acts. But government critics have hit back at those remarks, as Maggie Hill reports. The education chief made the comment in a written reply to a question by education sector lawmaker Ip Kin Yun in Lechko which asked under what circumstances the government would regard students playing and singing songs containing political messages at schools as political promotion or political propaganda. Just last month, Kevin Young said his bureau does not want to come up with a list of songs that might be prohibited. But now the education minister said glory to Hong Kong, which comes to symbolize the anti-extradition protests in the past year, carries strong political messages and is closely related to violence and illegal incidents that have lasted for months. He said this is an example of songs which will disrupt the normal operation of schools and affect students' emotions and must be banned in schools. He said it's heartbreaking to see students being used as political chips by whom he called people with ulterior motives, inciting them to boycott classes, form human chains, and post slogans and sing songs with political messages in schools. But Ip Kin Yun is not happy with Mr. Young's answer. According to their logic, I think they will have to ban a lot more songs or other products often used in different kinds of demonstration. Are they going to ban all these songs? I think they, this is very impractical. If you ban something without uh, very good reasons, 
people would tend to to be more angry about that, and we would expect more confrontation, more conflicts in the future to come. Mr. Ib insists the government is to blame for failing to address people's discontent sparked by the introduction of the extradition bill, triggering the protests. IT sector lawmaker Charles Mock says the reason most of the world's biggest social media firms are now examining their positions in Hong Kong is because of the extraterritorial jurisdiction of the new security law. He told RTHK this presents companies like Facebook, Google, Twitter and Zoom with a host of problems. Essentially, it means that uh, if these companies are told to remove certain content, they can't just remove them in Hong Kong. They have to remove it all over the world, even for their users outside of Hong Kong posting certain messages about Hong Kong that our authorities, uh, actually not just about Hong Kong, it could be about Taiwan, it could be about other parts of China, that our authorities deem, deemed to be uh, illegal here, they have to do it, they have to remove uh, the content or anywhere in the world. Now, that must have implications on their compliance obligations in other parts of the world. So that would mean that the companies are put in a very difficult position to comply with this law anywhere in the world. Security Secretary John Lee has told LegCo there are no plans to ban police officers from using chokeholds on suspects, despite concerns the technique leads to deaths. Violet Wong reports. At the LegCo's council meeting, pro-democracy lawmakers brought up the death of a man in May, a day after he was arrested by police in Hong Kong, with an officer kneeling on his neck as he was subdued. John Lee told lawmakers the cause of the man's death is not known yet. He brushed off concern that such tactics can be deadly, saying any form of force can be risky if it's not done properly. He spoke through an interpreter. No matter the method used, including uh, kneeling on somebody's neck, as you put it, or any other means, what is important is using force appropriately. Every method carries certain risks. What is more important is that when force is used, an assessment should be based uh, should be made to balance the risks. But Chu Hoidick said officers should at least temporarily stop kneeling on suspects' necks. If it's finally be proven that the depth is not related to that restraint, then maybe it is okay for Johnny to say so. But right now, I think if nobody in Hong Kong can say that this knee on neck restraint, that this chokehold approach is safe in restraining protesters or citizens. The security chief said police guidelines are reviewed from time to time, but currently there are no plans to ban officers from using chokeholds. He also told lawmakers that the Hong Kong police force should be thanked for handling violence much better than its overseas counterparts. The DAB's Elizabeth Quad asked him whether officers are equipped with body cameras to help them prove their innocence if they end up in court for some reason. In reply, Mr Lee said the force now has over 3,000 such cameras and aims to provide one for each armed officer next year. It was pretty clear from the title of Mary Trump's new book how she feels about her uncle, the president. Too much and never enough. How my family created the world's most dangerous man. He's due to be released in just under a week from now. There's intense interest in it. The book's already topping Amazon's best-selling list. Shane Harris, the intelligence and national security reporter for The Washington Post, has managed to get hold of an advanced copy. 
Well, I think the headlines are here, uh, probably the most recent ones are that uh, uh, members of the Trump family believe that his bid to be president was quixotic at best. His aunt, uh, his, pardon, his sister, Mary Ann Trump, who until recently was a prominent judge in the United States, called her brother, quote, a clown and said, this will never happen, uh, Mary Trump writes in the book. Uh, they believe that his, uh, he had evinced racist tendencies. They thought that he was exploiting both uh, his role in the family business as well as Mary Trump's father's memory, actually, for his political benefit. And what comes across here is, you know, a portrait in the eyes of Mary Trump of a, you know, pathological narcissist who seems to have been forged in the crucible of a home uh, growing up that was uh, one of neglect, one of trauma, and uh, just an extraordinarily domineering father who Donald Trump seems to have tried to build much of his life trying to, to please and ultimately to outdo. This is really a look from inside the family. And what she shows is that she has a very keen eye for detail and has a way of kind of framing the family relationships and the individual members of the family as they're juxtaposed to each other. The most important characters being the father, Fred Trump Sr., his son, uh, Freddie, as he's known, who's the author's uh, father and then the president. And I think that because you're seeing these behind the scenes moments of family dinners and Christmases and, you know, and it's not at a remove the way it is so much when we watch the president up there on the stage, it does resonate differently. Uh, of course, this is one person's opinion. And if there are other members of the family who have already said that they disagree with her take on this, but I do think it gives it a particular resonance because it comes from someone who grew up around this man. This story is a part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Robert Kemp from our newsroom. Unlawful or violent acts cannot be condoned. If you see anyone damaging traffic lights, blocking roads, throwing petrol bombs or fighting, please call 999 to report such acts to the police as your situation allows. You may also send a message to the police anti-violence hotline 5333-3103 or email hotline at police.gov.hk. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December. We'll have moments to remember. 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 Welcome, one and all, to nostalgia, music nostalgia, all the way until 1 a.m.
man is a genius. Liberace. And of course, the song he played for you. Intermezzo. I say I'll move the mountains And I'll move the mountains If she wants them out of the way Crazy she calls me Sure I'm crazy Crazy in love I'd say I say I'll 